you know, that last song is, 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 is funny because we, we joke about sometimes we, the, is, even so come, Lord Jesus, come, you know, come, come back. And, and why, why is that, why is that important? And it's not just because, well, um, we'll go to heaven and, but when he comes, do you understand that when, when Jesus comes, er, everything wrong will be made right. Everything injustice in the world will be made right when he comes. That's why part of us were scared because we don't know what that's going to be like, but that's why part of us should long for that. Man, I want, I want this world to be made right. I want, I want injustice to go away. I want hurt and pain to go away. And he'll, he's the beginning of that time when, when uh, those things will be made right. Who, who wrote the book of Joshua? Joshua wrote the book. Who was he an assi- assi- assistant to before uh, he wrote this book? Moses. He was assistant to Moses. And what were the first five books of the Bible called? It's called the, the Torah or the Pentateuch. Pentateuch. First five books, those were written by Moses. And where was Joshua born? Y'all remember? Where? Egypt. He was born in Egypt. He was one of the Hebrew slaves there. So this is where he came from. Has anyone um, ever seen before or done a trust fall? Trust fall. And I'll explain it to you. It's where you're standing on a high object, sort of like a chair, and you, you turn around and you, your, your eyes are closed and your arms are crossed so you don't flail. And there's a group of people behind you, usually six or eight of them, and their arms are locked. And you say, ready? If you're on that chair, you're not looking. And they say, ready. And they say, falling. The person on the chair does, and the, 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 the people supposed to catch them says, fall, telling them, trust me, we will catch you, just do it. And you're supposed to fall back, straight back, and not bend your knees, and just trust that they will catch you. Is that a bit scary? I'm going to ask Nick for, to come forward here first. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Nick, and could I get our sixth graders? Okay, sixth graders are going to. That would have been awesome. Um, <clears throat> trust falls are pretty funny. Take a look at, at, at these two video clips of trust falls. There's one, and then you'll have to start the next one when this one. It, they're both short clips. Now, if you could hear the sound better, you hear her slap hard, and now she's crying because they failed her. Okay, you can go ahead and stop that clip. Um, just to let you know, if you're ever asked to do a trust fall, you fall backwards, not forwards. If you ever <coughs> look up trust fall fails, 
make sure um, if you're ever doing a trust fall that you have enough to catch and you're not doing it from like a three-story built, 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 building. Because all those that I saw, they never worked out good. The person always hit the ground uh, and it was messy. So um, trust falls. Is trust a hard th- thing to do? Yeah. Trust? You know, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Y'all have all practiced trust a lot today. You came into this room and I bet none of you inspected the chair you're, you're sitting in right now. You came in and you sat right down in your chair. You did not think, is it going to hold me? What, you, you put trust in that chair. That chair was going to bear your weight and you were going to sit and everything was going to be, be, be fine. You, you have trust that the, the ride, you, that you, the car you go in is going to start and it's going to get you home, especially on this cold night, right? Is that, is that trust? We practice trust. In a lot of ways. Or the food that we eat at dinner. A lot of times we're trusting that food isn't going to give us the runs in four hours because it was laced with something. You know what I'm saying? We're trusting Chick-fil-A is going to treat us good that night. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and parents, as, as kids, we, uh, we, we trust our parents. We look up to them. And like I said this past week, how, how we, our, our parents, we think, can do anything. And, and no offense to any of you, but I guarantee my 77-year-old dad can beat up your dad any day of the week. Okay, that's just a, that's just a fact. Um, uh, so, but so we so we, we we sort of think these these great things about them. But as, as we age, we see that they're not as strong as we thought they 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 were. Um, not that they, fa- they failed us, but they're just not not as great as we thought. Um, if I were to ask you to define the word avow, how would you define that word? What's a vow? Anybody? Vow is what? A promise you make and you keep forever. Okay, that, that, that's a great. Anybody else got, well, what's a vow, Bianca? An, an oath. An oath. That's like, like, oh, I give you this oath. I, I like the sound of that. Dictionary.com, which I don't always suggest you always look. It's not like the end all for everything. But this is how it defines a vow. It says it's a solemn or earnest promise binding the person and making it to perform a specific act or behave in a certain way. So it's, it's a, it's a very, very strong promise. So if someone makes a vow to you, do you expect them to break that vow? No. What, what, what occurs to you if they break that vow to you? Are you a little bit ticked, mad, hurt? I think we all are. You know, in the world that we live in today, um, the, the, this word vow, we see it all the time. Uh, and, and you've heard it on TV or you've been at it live where you've heard it said this, I promise to love and cherish for better, for worse, in, in, uh, for, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. As long as we both shall live, um, I give you this promise. You, have we heard some, something like that before? A wedding vow, right? A wedding vow. Do all mar- 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 marriages last? Or is, does the commitment always stay stay there? But they but they made a vow. Why don't they? Like a vow, you said something you're not you're, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to you're supposed to keep for the rest of your life, right? Is that how we feel a vow is? You know, in this world. Um, well, let me just give you something free here. 
I've had the honor and privilege to marry about 28 people. No, I'm married to my one wife, but I've officiated, <laughs> officiated at about 28 wet, wet weddings. And when I meet with the couple beforehand, I am trying to tell them, hey, you better make sure this is the one that you want to spend the rest of your time with, or it is going to wreck you in so many ways. I cannot say it enough times. And for you as a young man, young woman, beginning, some of you beginning to look that way, understand that that ooey gooey love feeling that is, is great, it might be part of the equation, but it's not near all the equation. That the flaws the person has now, they're going to have some of those, some form of those same flaws probably for the rest of their life. God can do a work and change a lot of things. I, I get that. But we still have our hang-ups. We all, even Nick, perfect Nick has got his, his thing. We all have them. His wife would go, oh, no. She would go, oh, yeah, right? So, so I want to tell, tell you this. Make sure when you go, man, this is the person I'm supposed to marry, ask hard que- questions to each other and make sure it is the right thing to do. If it's just because, oh, they just make me f- feel good, that will go away every time. I am... I, I, a lot of the folks that I've married have, have only been married for eight years or 10 years or 12 years. Of the 28, I know two have, that have been divorced since they were married. I'm fighting as I talk with them to keep them together uh, because God has such a plan in marriage. And marriage is a, can I tell you something? Marriage is a fantastic thing. It is a fantastic thing. You, some people will say, oh, uh, uh, no, no, no. Don't, don't listen to them. You fight for a great marriage that gives God honor, and, and, and life will go well for you. Amen? Amen. You don't even know why you're saying amen. You're just going, okay, he said amen. I will say it. Um, but I am convinced of this. If we hang out with a person, any person, long enough, they will fail you sometime or another. They will let you down sometime, some way, long enough. Give it time. They will. And my message tonight is, if people are difficult to trust, those that we love that are in our lives that we see, how difficult is it to trust God? Who we necessarily don't don't always see. We believe he's real. We know he's real. We have faith. He's worked in our life. We know that, but we don't see him day, day to day. How difficult is it, or how can we, when we can't really always fully trust those around us, how can we put our faith and trust in God? And we're going to look at the text tonight in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. That is a huge step into what they took into trusting God. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to just read this first, verses 1 through 5. Uh, I'll read it. I just want you to join with me as we stand in honor of God's word. That's why we, we stand for this. And then... <coughs> My voice and cough and all that, please try not let that get in the way or distraction, and we're just going to run through this, this text here. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I, pr- I promised to Mos- Mos- Moses. From the w- wilderness, 
and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. (coughs) No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word tonight. Lord, I just ask that your truth will be clear. Uh, and Lord, I just ask that, that you will take your truth and, 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 and make it clear, but make us be responsive to it. Lord, may, may we, we take it and re- reflect our own, own life against it and adjust whatever we need to. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, everybody, have a seat. Okay, Moses has just died on Mount Nebo. Now, this mountain overlooks the, the prom, promised land. Now, how many years have they been wandering around before they were allowed to go back to, into the prom, promised land? What, what, what was it? 40 years. Okay, for 40 years, as we talked about, the spies and those that were, went with said, hey, we can't go to this land. There's, there's giants. So God said, okay, you don't want to go to this land fine, you will die out, but your kids will get to see this land, but they're not going to go there until you are all dead, except for these two spies who said, we need to go. God has given us this land. This is the promised land God has given to us. So they go, they die out. It's come to the spot where, where they, it's time for them to go back. And Moses is on this mountain where he can overlook and see it, but his time on earth is done and he dies. He has been the man. He is the one that went to Egypt and, and rescued them out of there and has led them this whole time. He is the big dog, and he is now dead. And his assistant, Joshua, has to pick up the mantle. You, you, y'all think that was scary for him? Who is, who is Billy Graham's assistant? Nobody knows Billy Graham's assistant, Right? Who, who was Martin Luther? He was the head of the Protestant Reformation. Who was his assistant? Nobody knows. No one cares about the assistant, right? He just sort of helps the big dog get the job done. All of a sudden, the big dog, you want to call him, Moses has passed away, and, and he's got to sort of take charge. And God's going to say some things to encourage him through this. Now, point num- number one, of this text is this. How can we trust God? Because God's promises are always true. God's promises are always true. And when his prom- promises, if they were ever not to be true, God would not be holy. He would not be, be right, righteous. He would not be just. He would not be pure. So God's promises are true. So interesting thing here. In Genesis chapter 12, I think I might have the scripture there. In, in, in the end of verse 5 there, it's talking about a man named Abram. We know him as Abraham. All these people get, have a name, and it's changed a little bit, a lot of time reflecting their walk with God. Abraham, it says, and, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And they went to the land of, 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 uh, of Canaan, stopped there. Now, God had just said to him, hey, hey, through your line, I'm going to make a great na- nation. He said this in verses 1 through four. He said, trust me, I will be your God, and, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And so then he says, hey, go to this land, okay? Look at verse six. It, it says, and Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of, of Moreh. 
And at that time, the Canaanites were in, in, in the land. Verse 7, uh, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the very first time, the first promise God gives about this land. He says, This land is going to be land for your offspring. Your nation is going to be here. This is going to be your first time God said this is going to be yours. In Genesis chapter 26, he says to his son, Isaac, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you for you to, for, for to you and to your offspring. I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath, oath, that word, oath, that promise, that vow that I swore to Abraham your father. So he, he says the same thing to this man's son as, as there, the nation begins to grow. He says, hey, this land is your, it's a promise. Look here in Genesis chapter 35, verse 12. He, he, he says to his son, um, J- J- Jacob, he said, the land I gave to Abraham and to Isaac, your grandfather and father, I also give to you, J- Jacob, and I will give this land to your seed after you. This is a promise I have for you, this land. You're like, man, you're beating us like a dead horse. I know, but I want you to understand. Why do we call it the promised land? Because God's pr- promised it to them. It's always been called, referred to you. When I say, hey, Israelites went to the pr- promised land, you went, oh, that's their land. Why? Because God promised. Over 170 times in Scripture, it refers to the promised land, this land that God has given to them. For 40 years, they've walked around in circles being miserable. I wonder how, how, how much their faith failed them throughout those years on what's the, the point of all this? How, how can we even keep this up? But they kept on going. And then what's the amazing thing about the prom, prom, promises of God? They're not going into this land as Moses as their leader. I think there's a few points, and we won't talk about the exact why, but understand the promises of God are not content contingent on what man does. Know that God's, God's promises don't ride or rest on what you do or do not do. God's promises will get done. So it's not based on the man, a great man of God, which Moses turned out to be. So how does this affect you and me right here, right now? If the promises of God are true, that's what I believe for my life, how should that affect me? It says in Romans ten nine. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Promise of God. How can I be saved? Confess, confess with my mouth the Lord, Lord Jesus. Believe in my heart God raised him from the dead. Believe, fully believe, and I will be. That's a prom, prom, promise of God. Y'all know it better as, as, as Romans 10, 13 shortened. It's, all, it's for all who call. Like crows, sorry, that's something we do weird here. On, on, on the name of the Lord will be saved. You're throwing a life preserver out. That's what you're doing there. Huh? For, 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 um, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise, promise of God. Is salvation that easy? Yes, but you've got to understand two things. I want you, everybody to stand up with me real quick. We haven't been through this in a while. Romans 3.23, and I'm going to say it, do it slowly, but I want you, if you're new here, I want you to understand this verse. This is a, a foundational verse that every believer in Jesus Christ 
should know because it's what your, your faith rests upon. Romans 3.23, repeat that. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. For all, and this is sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Okay, that's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, so that's, that's important. We, we've all sinned. Everybody, if someone goes, hey, I, I, I haven't sinned, you're like, oh, okay, pride's got you bad. You just sinned. Okay, everybody sins. But Romans 6.23, it condemns us and it gives us hope, okay? It says, for the wages, like you're, you're paying someone, the wages of sin is death. But, okay, sorry, but we use that for but. But the gift of God is eter, eter, e, e, eternal life. What's that again? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, okay? So, so, do that again. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through, I'm spending Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, sit down. Foundational verses that we need to do. That, that is how that verse where it talks about all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know you need to be saved because you know you sin and your sin separates you from God. And there's no way you can get to God on your own promise of God affects us in so many ways. Take Philippians 1.6. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. This is for you who is a believer in Jesus Christ. You understand a promise of God that he gives to us no matter how worthless or useless that we may feel on that day or this day or that month or that year. God says that, hey, he who has begun a good, good work in you, that's, that's God, will be faithful to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. Can we get in the way of that? Yeah, we can, but with, with sin and stupidity. We, 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 we can try to block that up. But God is continually trying to do a good work for those that believe in Jesus, that you've got your faith in Christ. That is for the believer in Christ. God, that's a promise. How does that affect you? It should affect us every day. We had a bad week this this past week. We get up the next day going, man, my God is faithful. Uh, and, and he started a good work. Because I know I had, a, I had a life in me that was apart from Christ. And at the age of 16, God began to place Christ into my life. And it, a burden that I had felt for as long as I could remember was gone that night. And it's never come back. Never come back. And so in those times when I struggle and I go, ah. I don't know if I'm just getting this right or, or when sin comes and it begins to sort of look good here or look good there, I'm re- reminded so many times of that burden that I held because I was in chains to sin and to death and I was, I, was, I was just held down by it. And God just said, no, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Took it all away. That's a promise of God that we need to practice in our own lives right now. Any of you are tired? I mean, I think we all get tired. If you're not, you will. Matthew, Jesus says, come, come to me, all of you who are, who, who, who are weak and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He will give you, he says, for my yoke is easy. That's my teaching. That's what his yoke is, my teaching. What I teach and say is easy. My burden is light. For you, you will become a child of God. You will not be enslaved 
not be a child enslaved to, to the world. We all can use rest. Why can we always trust God? Because his promises are true. Man, if you can just get one thing tonight going, okay, I want to trust God. Why should I do it? Because his promises are true. They're always true. We could take four weeks to go through a tenth of them and not even touch the promises that God has. And God does not promise that life will be easy. But he does say that, that he has come that we may have life and life to the full. Abundant full does not, 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 not mean money or, or riches or fame. It means joy in him that apart from all that stuff, you can still have much more joy than, than the, the people that have all the stuff are wrecking their lives with because they can't find that joy. That's what God wants us to have. Next verse, we're going to actually read verses 4 and 5 again. So God's prom- promises are true. Are you with me still? Yeah? <laughs> you sure? Are you sad? Y'all look a little sad. All right. All right. We're going to read in verse 4. Y'all just stay, stay seated for these. For the wilderness in this Le- Lebanon, as far as the great river, the, the, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Point number two, why can't we trust God? Because God's presence transforms. God's presence changes everything. Exodus chapter three, there is a whimpering, scared, stuttering little man named Moses. I did that just for the effect of the stuttering thing. All right, so you understand, whimpering, scared. And he is he's out there. God appears to him in a burning bush, and God says, hey, Moses, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to use you to free my people who are in, enslaved in Egypt. And Moses keeps going, ah, I don't know if that's a good idea, God. I don't know if I'm really the right man for the job. You know, I'm not really good, 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 good at all this stuff. Um, so I, I, I should just stay back a, a little bit. Um, I think you're picking the wrong guy. At, at, at Exodus 4, it, it says, he, he says to him specifically, he says, but God, I, I can't talk. I'm just not good at it. And God, God says, go, I will be your mouth and teach you what to say. He even still at that point says, oh, I, I can't do it. He says, hey, I'll give you Aaron to help you. Okay, but you go. You are the one I've called to, to, to do this. And he, he says, um, go, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. So God is saying this whole time, hey, I am going to be with you. So this is the most, 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 Moses in Exodus chap, chapter 4. We know the story. He goes there. All these plagues come. God uses them in a mighty way. He trusts God through, throughout the, the whole time. The, the, the Pharaoh tells all the slaves to go, to get out. So they leave. They're led by a, a, a pillar of, of fire by night and a cloud, a pillar of cloud by day. They, that's where they know where to go. They get to the Red Sea. They're trapped. God parts the sea. They go through it. The bad guys go in the Red Sea, and the Red Sea crushes them. Okay, so he sees God working so many ways in, an, in 
And then the people are just whining, going, oh, the food there was so much better. Why can't we go back to Egypt as slaves? We just ate so much better. I mean, I love food too. That's my downfall. I'm just, I, 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 I run a lot, but I hate running, but I love to eat more than I hate running, so I run. Does that make sense? Right? So they love evidently food, and they're like, oh, we just want the, 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 the sweet bread cake that we had in Egypt. Why can't we just go back there and get our old jobs back is really what they're saying. So God's anger is burning against them. Moses goes on this mountain. God speaks to him, gives him the Ten Commandments. He, he comes off the mountain that the nation of Israel is now wor- worshiping a golden calf that they made. They took all this gold. They made it. He asked sort of who did this, and one, one of the guy goes, I don't know. The gold was all thrown together, and poof, it became a calf. Uh, and so they even are lying about it. God makes them grind this calf down into dust, puts it in their water, and makes them drink it all up. That would be pretty nasty, wouldn't it? Uh, going in and going out. And, um, and, and, and so in, in, in Exodus chapter 30, 33, they're on their way out of there. There's a, there's a point to this story, very big, big, big point, because this man who was scared, who didn't want to go anywhere, even if God said, I will go with you, this is what this man says. Exodus chapter 33, and verse, verses 1 through 3, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the, the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. Once again, he's referring to the promised land. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jeb, Jeb, Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and, 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 and honey, but I will not go up among you. Don't miss that part of what God says. But you go there, but I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. You are stubborn, stupid people. That's what God is saying. Hey, hey, you you go. I've, I've got that land set up for you. You go. It's yours, but I'm not going with you. And look in verse 15 and 16 at Moses' response to him. This one who wouldn't go with him to Egypt because he was afraid because I just can't do it. He says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, and I and, and, uh, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Man, is that not a prayer um, a saying we ought to say about everything we encounter in our lives. I'm going to go here tonight or go there tonight. God, if your presence will not go with me, don't let me move from this place. Take me only places where you will go with me because I don't want to be anywhere without you. Moses' life was transformed. Why? Because the presence of God. He he believed in the promises of God and he was affected by the presence of God. It changes lives. I don't know about you tonight, but man, my life has been radically changed, not because I've done anything good, but because how great God is in the presence of God. <clears throat> this applies to us um, in a lot of ways. You know, one, one, one way that <coughs> else I thought about was uh, 
in Matthew 28, 18 through, through 20, you know, God, God says in many ways that he's with us. And, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he went up to, to heaven. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Man, what a great, great truth that Jesus shares with his disciples and he shares with us. Know that when we go out, when we are, we are walking in faith, that Jesus Christ is with us. We are not alone. And man, can we let the presence of God begin to change us? May, may, may it transform us so we're more like him, so that, that when that opportunity comes to speak up, that we will, we will speak up, we won't shut up. When the world says, Shh, you can't really talk, talk about that, we'll go, I've got nothing else to say, and I've got to do something. The presence of God transforms, it changes us The third point, and it's going to be found in, in verses 6 through 9, God's promises are true. His presence transforms. His prompting is clear. That's his instruction. That's the only P word I could find that sort of was his prompting. What he tells us to do is clear. Look here in verses 6 through 9. Very strong thing. He's, he's saying to them right before they're going, they've been 40 years going around. They're finally at the cusp going in the promised land. That's where we're going to be for the next few weeks. They're about to go in. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge day. This promise that has come for hundreds of years is coming true uh, in, in the text. It says this in verse 6. <coughs> be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. But then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, there's a prompting. He says three times, verse 6, 7, and 9, he says, be strong and have courage. So he said, hey, hey, Joshua, hey, whatever you do as you're going to lead them in this land, be strong and have, have courage. It's a new land full of, of people that do not want you there. And your, your God says, go take this land, for I have given this land to you. Be strong and have courage. And it's interesting here because God doesn't say, Hey, y'all prepare to invade, get your guys on horses, though I don't know if they had horses, and get your, get, get, get your men armed and strong, ready for battle, make sure they're keen with a sword, make sure they've got food, because the battle could go a long way. Make sure you're prepared in that way. God says, hey, be strong and have courage. And then he says this. He says in verse 7, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. They're going to take over land, and he's giving them spiritual instruction. Do you understand? In your life, most of the battles you will fight in, in your life are not physical battles. They're spiritual bat, 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 battles. They have to do with your walk with Christ and you living and walking in his ways. So as he says, be strong and, 
have courage. He's saying to us, even to each of you, as you are in your classroom or as you are at your workplace or you are at your home or wherever you are at, be strong and have courage. Do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Talking specifically about the Ten Commandments. So those Ten Commandments, keep those. Obey those. Look in verse, um, also he says in um, uh, verse uh, 7, do not turn from it from the right or to the left. It means, you know what? Stay on the path of following God. Which path? Just that one. It's narrow. It's sometimes dark. And usually it's scary. But if you fight hard enough, you're going to find other people along the way going on that same path. There's not a lot of them, but they're there walking the same path that you are. But don't go on the, light, the, the right or the left. Do not get off this path. Stay on it. Keep walking with God. Do not veer at all. And then in verse 8, he says this. The, this book of the law, which is the Torah, okay? The Torah, the first five books, this book of law, shall not depart from your mouth. Get Get um, in it daily and meditate on it. That means, that means, you know, think about it, read it, think about it. The word that is used there for meditate on it is a low, guttural, almost um, um, muttering about it beneath your breath. It's that you are just, you're, you're walking around going, man, my God is so good. He's so great. Awesome, man. My God is so great. He's so strong. He's so powerful. It's, it's that, that, and you're like, man, you're sort of nuts. Yeah, you know, sometimes in this world, we got to be nuts to make it through it, okay? But, but that's, that scripture, that word has to be a part of our life because we're not going to ever stay on this path without this word if we don't meditate because we're not going to know what the path is. That's the problem. You think, oh, I'll stay on the path, but I just don't really have time. You don't understand, Pastor Dan, I, I'm really busy, and I just don't have time to get in the word. That's just always so cute the way you say that and they really believe it. But you don't even understand how much time you have. And if we just go, man, I'm going to take 20 minutes a day and I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on the Word of God and read it every day because I want to stay on this path. How are we going to know what the path is? We've got to be meditating. We've got to be in the Word. It says twice in the passage, uh, verse 7 and verse 9, I think, um, the word succeed. If you do these things, you will succeed or be successful. Anyone here want to be successful in life? Man, I want to be successful in life. But know what the word successful here, the real root word it's saying is, is to be wise. If you do these things, you will be wise. Wisdom is someone who knows and pra- practices righteousness, the things of God. If you know someone in your life who knows the things of God and they practice, they live it out, that's a wise person. Because they, they understand the truth of God and they follow the truth of God. They stay on the path. They don't fear from the left. They don't fear from the right. We, we can trust God. Why? Because his prom, prom, promises are always true. They're, they're always true. This land they're about to go into, I, I hope you know, we, we can see it as this is like a huge wave that has built up and it's just about to crash and it's just about to, it's, it's a place that they have longed to be all of their life, and they're at the cusp about to go into it, and they're preparing themselves to go into this. Man, that's what I want. I want this promised land, this abundant life. I want it right here, right now. I find it, I find myself in it when I'm stepping out on faith, doing things where I'm going, I cannot believe I'm doing this. God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? This branch I'm on, I'm all alone, is about to break. I look like a fool. 
And those are the times God is the biggest. The path is the clear, clearest, but we've got to be willing to go out that way. <coughs> so tonight, you may be here and you've never even begun a relationship with Christ. And this is how it, it starts. You admit and you understand that you sin. Your sin separates you from God because God is a God without sin. And there's no work or deed or anything that you can do to make it right. You've even tried. Man, I've tried to live good, but I just don't think I can. And the truth is we can't. The debt of our sin is too great, and we cannot pay it on our own. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a life without sin, a perfect life. And this perfect life that did not deserve death was laid on a cross, filleted on a cross. And on that cross, the, your sin and my sin were laid upon him. This sinless, perfect being took on our sin. And because of the weight of that sin, though it separated him from God for the very first time, because of the weight of that sin, he died. The cross did not kill him. The sin laid upon him did. But God did not let it in that way, on the third day, Jesus Christ overcame death and rose from the grave, showing us that God has eternal life for us as well. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's you. It's, it's, it's that verse in, in, in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, man, this is, I believe that God has raised him from the dead. That's what I believe from life. Then it says you will be saved. And if you want to know more about that, I would love to talk to you about that. Nick is available. We've got adults in the back. Man, if you just go, man, I just want to talk a little bit more about that. I've talked with many of you. So if you're going, I'm not sure if, if this is something that's done. I've talked with many of you about this. So it's not something that is like, oh, no one ever does this. But man, if, if you've not, and God is speaking to you, don't let tonight go away without talking to somebody about it. Don't miss the opportunity. And the truth is, you don't need to even talk with me or, or to talk with Nick or, or anybody else to be in a right relationship with God, to begin a relationship with God. It's you confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart and then telling somebody about it. Tonight, you might be here as well, and <laughs> you know God. Uh, but truth be told, you've not been trusting him. You know you've got a relationship. You feel good about the relationship, but you're like, man, there's some areas of my life I've just not been trusting in God. There's a path I've been on, and it's not... The path, I'm over here. I know the path God has for me is over here, and I need to get on this. I believe that, that God's promises are true. I know his presence transformed because I've already been changed. Yeah, but, but he has begun a good work in you and will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God isn't finished. If that's you tonight. Uh, you want to change things, talk to somebody about it. Talk to, man, the thing that, that Christians that we do most time where we fail is that we don't, um, we're not real enough even to our friends or those that we care about to go, hey, can you pray for me? This is, this is sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get some things right here. At what point can we be a Christian community where we talk to each other about, man, can you hold me account accountable to walk close with God? Can you hold me accountable to get my word? get in the word with God each day? How can we even get this right unless we can begin to trust those around us, right? I mean, that's what, that's what really a youth group and a church is supposed to be. We come here and we hear things taught, but if we don't interact this way, 
we're, we're going to miss today every time. I'm going to ask for every head bowed and eyes closed right at, as we close things up. Y'all been real attentive. I appreciate it. <coughs> but I just want to, if, if you're here tonight and you've never put your faith or trust in, in Jesus Christ, but you feel like God is speaking to you about that clear as day, this is just going to be between you and me. Uh, I just want to be able to pray for you and uh, have someone have an opportunity to talk to you. If that's you, if you've never done that, but you go, man, I would really love to talk to someone about that, I want you to just sort of look up and meet eyes with me just real quick, That if that's you. If I missed you, raise your hand. <coughs> okay, if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I believe I'm a believer in, in Jesus Christ, but man, I need to, I want to trust God. I want to walk on that path. I need... Uh, just accountability to, to get in the Word each day. I need accountability just to walk with Him, to trust in Him. If, if that's you, uh, man, could you just pray, pray for me? I'll trust the promises of God that I will let the presence of God transform me, that, I will, uh, that God's pr- pr- promptings and instructions will be clear. If that's you, I just want to pr- 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 pray for you. Just meet, meet eyes with me, and you can put your head right back down. Okay? Okay? Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. I'm on the left side of the room. Did I miss anybody? Gotcha. Right side of the room. Okay. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Anybody else? Dear God, I thank you so much for every student that's in this room. The chance for us just to um, open up your word. And Lord, I know it was a lot of text we went through tonight. Uh, but God, your word is so powerful. And God, as we get into this book, as we walk in this book, God, one of the parts that, that we find is they're going to this promised land they've been waiting for just to find, find rest, to, to finally have rest. They've been walking and wandering for so long, and, and they're, they're trying to find rest. And Lord, may we, uh, every indivi- individual in this room, Lord, I, I just ask that you'll help them to find rest, rest as we walk through this book. I'll rest in you. Uh, and know how great and big and powerful you are. Uh, For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.